Yo, it's Mish Mish. Misha Youssef. And this is the second to last episode of Tell Them I Am season two. As our time comes to a close, I've been thinking a lot about all of the names of God. You know, in Islam, God has 99 names. The merciful, the witness, the creator, the discerner, the utterly just, the watchful, the most loving, the steadfast. I love that one. The manifest, the hidden, the pardoner, the most kind, the equitable, the light. Okay, you get my point. And these 99 names exist not just so we can keep it spicy. It is because these are the qualities we should strive for as human beings. Be steadfast. Be kind. Be the most kind. Today's story has me thinking about another name for God, As-Sabur. You can interpret it as the timeless and the patient. Like God is both the movement and the observer of time. My name is Khalil Abdul Rashid. I specialize in the area of American Islam and Islamic studies, and I do a little bit of um, teaching on diversity and spirituality as well. Will you tell me a little bit about like whose whose watch it was? So this was a watch that belonged to my father's um, adoptive father. So my father, my biological father, was adopted. And um, his adoptive parents, you know, they raised him from when he was an infant. Um, before he was two or three years old, his, his adoptive father had died, but left him a watch. It was a silver face. It was a black leather band. It was thin. It wasn't, or it wasn't so thick. And um, there were numbers, not Roman numerals. It was white or silver. That's as far as my memory goes. I was 18 years old. Um, I graduated from high school. I went to go see my dad, and he gave me um, that watch. It was in a box, um, and I put it on immediately. He had given the watch to me as a graduation present, and he was real proud of me. I had just gotten into college as well, so he wanted me to have it. And it was a family heirloom. It was to stay in the family, and hopefully I would pass it down, you know, to my son, and, um, and it would, that would be sort of the inheritance uh, and the legacy, time itself. Other than a new watch strapped around his wrist, Khalil continues his routine as usual. He's a student at Georgia State University in Atlanta. I think I was 19, and it was in the evening, probably around 8 p.m. Class has ended, so he walks his normal route home. I used to walk down to the train station to catch the bus. Ironically, the name of the train station is called Martin Luther King Jr. Train Station. It was across from one of the worst housing projects in the city of Atlanta. The only thing unusual about this night is the group of people walking towards him. And I've seen them from a little bit of distance away. There were two men and there was one woman. His heart starts to race. Something seems off. And he's right. They block his way. 
And one of the guys says, Give it up, give me what you have. I was like, I don't have anything. Pulled out my wallet and, you know, gave the few, I probably had like four or five dollars or something, something, but that wasn't enough. And so I felt intimidated, nervous, scared, and I was just trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. Then the other person said, you watch too. And I said, no. And then the gun was pulled on me. The person put the gun to my head point blank. Uh, We were probably about a foot or two feet away from each other. And I backed up a little bit and I felt compelled to give up what for me was at that moment the most valuable thing I had. And um, I got very, very angry at the idea of parting with something that my father gave me and the only thing he gave me. And I undid the the watch. I unlatched the watch. I was fearful. I was scared. But I was also angry. So I took the watch off and I threw it. When I did the gesture with my hands and tossed it, the trigger was pulled and then I jumped. You know, it went click. And it jammed. I didn't even think. I just ran. And I just kept running and running and running. I reached the train station. I remember going all the way to the back of the bus, to the end, and sitting down, leaning against the wall, and it was just shaking. I did break down on the bus. Went home, didn't speak to anybody. And I remember immediately, I just took off everything, went in the shower. Like, immediately that was what happened. And I myself felt like I just needed to wash. And I needed, I felt, for some reason, I felt I wasn't clean, right? I just needed to wash. took in that moment, and it was really traumatic, actually. I never spoke about that, what happened with anyone in my family. Two or three days later, I had a friend of my father's call me and pick me up. And he said, I'm going to take you someplace. And he picked me up and he took me uh, to a funeral home. And, and I said, what are we here for? What are we doing at a funeral home? He said, I want to show you something. He didn't know what happened. I didn't tell anybody what happened, but he just did this on his home. He takes me in the funeral home. We go downstairs, and there are these other, about five other Muslim men around. And the, on the gurney, you know, is a young man. He's, and I was told by one of the gentlemen there that this is an 18-year-old kid who just died. And he had died of AIDS. One of the brothers in the room said, we're going to prepare his body. You know, we're going to go through the Islamic process, the Muslim funeral process of washing the body and wrapping it, which is called um, janazah. And here I was as a 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid, young man, who had just had a near-death experience. Um, And here I was in an actual experience touching and wrapping and preparing somebody's body uh, to be transitioned into the grave. 
I had never experienced an encounter with death before. I had never thought about my life coming to an end. Most people don't get second chances. And I think there is a religious aspect to it. Um, because I did think that I, you know, I almost died. You know, I almost lost my life. And what I lost was the watch and some cash. But I gained a significant respect for time. And uh, the, the value of time and the value of this life is something I derived from losing the watch and almost losing my life. So I lost the watch, but I gained my life. Tell Them I Am is presented by Higher Ground Audio and Spotify and produced by Dustlight Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Misha Youssef. The executive producers at Higher Ground Audio are Dan Fearman, Mukta Mohan, and Anna Holmes. Janae Maribel is editorial assistant. From Dustlight Productions, Mary Knopf is our executive producer. Ariana Gharib Lee and Jonathan Shiflett are our producers. Arwen Nix is our editor. Valeria Alarcone is our apprentice. This episode was written by me, Jonathan Shiflett, Arwen Nix, and Valeria Alarcone. It was sound designed by Jonathan Shiflett with help from Valeria Alarcone. Valentina Rivera is our engineer. David Leinard is our composer and made our gorgeous original music. Emin Ahmed is our illustrator and the creator of our episodic art. Elizabeth Goodspeed made our amazing series tile art. Special thanks to Rachel Garcia, our development and operations coordinator. From Spotify, executive producers are Daniel Eck, Don Ostroff, and Courtney Holt. This podcast was originally a production of LAS Studios.